They say some of the most unsuccessful trades in professional sports history happen when two bitter rivals, that's why you don't see it happen very often, when two bitter rivals make a trade amongst themselves. And it happened on Friday here in the province of Alberta, and you'll never hear me say the great province of Alberta. Um, But it did happen. The two longtime National Hockey League rivals, the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames, basically traded away one bad contract from their existing 25-man rosters. As we welcome you to this 367th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike and Mike Jansen and Chris Fluke with you. Um, lips just kind of trying to get back into the flow of things. We seemingly have been on another break, and that's my fault because I was in the hospital again earlier, earlier this week. God, I spend more time in the hospitals and the doctors and the nurses lately. Um, but I am, I think, okay. <laughs> as okay as I'm going to get, I think. Um, but yes, uh, this doesn't happen very often. It This is like... Uh, the New York Rangers making a trade with the New Jersey Devils or the New York Islanders, or this is like the Chicago Blackhawks making a trade with the, oh, I don't know, the St. Louis Blues. But for the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers to actually strike a deal, there must have been some really big pieces of crap on both sides of the on both sides of these rosters. But I really believe in my heart of hearts that James Neal is going to be a difference maker for the Edmonton Oilers. We've, we've talked, you've heard Chris and I talk about this many, many times on this program about that the Oilers need to find secondary scoring beyond Misters or Messers, McDavid and Drysaddle. Well, maybe, just maybe, in form of their provincial friends 250 miles to the south, maybe they've gotten it because obviously James Neal was not going to work in Calgary long term obviously. And with a four years still remaining on his contract, if he wasn't going to be, you know, anywhere on the first three lines, well, you're paying this guy almost $30 million over the duration of this contract. So obviously Edmonton had a need. Ken Ken Holland, the new general manager in Edmonton found that he, you know, had an asset that maybe that Calgary would take. I don't know, but I, I, you know, I, I just, I was very excited when James Neal came to Calgary. I thought that this could be something good for the local losers. It didn't work out that well. It didn't work out at all, really. He only had, what, maybe six goals all year? Seven. Seven, okay. Seven goals all year for $28.75 million. Seven goals. Yeah, okay. He's going to go to Edmonton, folks. I'm going to tell you right now, if they put him on, and I don't know this, Chris would know this, smarter people would know this, but ultimately you'd think that maybe there's a possibility to, at least at the beginning, to figure out if it would work. James Neal on a line with Dreisaitl and McDavid, and I'm telling you right now, James Neal will score you 30 goals. I really believe that. If they give him the opportunity and he stays healthy and get away from the cancer that is the Calgary Flames locker room, I think James Neal can go back to what he was previously in Dallas and in Nashville and all these other places he was at, except for that one-year aberration down with the floodplain flames. 
I think that this could be the steal of the year for the Edmonton Oilers, for damn sure. And I don't even know what the Flames are getting back. I mean, I know we used to play with my team, the LA Kings, but this is an older version of Lucic, and I don't think he is going to contribute as much as potentially Neil is going to contribute up in Edmonton. I could talk about this deal for days and days and days, and I'm just so happy about this. I was at work yesterday, and there's a few Oilers fans there, and we were just ecstatic, and you didn't hear a peep out of the Flames fans at all. Everybody knows this is a ridiculous deal. The fry cook, as you call him, Tree Living, Brad, the the younger Tree Living, he, uh, wow, he's living in, if we're being nice, he's living in 2013. Yeah. If we're being a little more honest, he's living in maybe the 80s, possibly the <laughs> 90s. And it's unbelievable. So I will take all day the real deal, James Neal, in exchange for Luch the Chooch, all day and every day. And so it's just the details of it. So it's basically a one for one, which, by the way, is really neat because the famous quote when Taylor Hall was traded for Adam Larson was everybody was asking is it a one for one and then the reporter saying it's a one for one and now to have it go the other way and finding out it's a one for one is actually a good thing you've got a guy in James Neal here who's really always scored over 20 goals other than last year and there's no there was no sign he was slowing down he changes teams he'd still be really consistent he scored 40 in Pittsburgh the one year he scored 31 in Nashville the one year the rest were all in the 20s he went to a new team to Vegas literally a new team had a great season 25 goals 19 assists there so it's not like he can't go to a new team and be successful he's been successful everywhere he was then he goes to a team where nobody likes him they treat him like shit and he literally had the last locker at the end of the room and it's just one of those things where a team just treats a guy like shit and it's just a redheaded stepchild situation and that's it Lucic is too slow to do anything anymore whatever he ever was he's not that anymore or at least he can't be in the new game big and slow just doesn't do anything uh our buddy Ryan Hall chimed in on the trade today and he said what the fuck was tree leaving thinking he honestly would have been better off just giving Neil to the Oilers. Yeah. And I think that's better. And the details of the deal are pretty cool. I've never heard of a condition like this in my life in sports. So the trade is Neil for Lucic, but the Oilers have to throw in two things. They have to throw in uh, a conditional third round draft pick and they have to retain $750,000. Yeah. Yeah. And so... The neat thing is the condition on the third-round pick. Because if they have to give the third-round pick, I don't care. It's so, so worth it. But here's the condition. I've never, Actually, there's technically there's two conditions, and I've never seen anything like this. Uh, number one, James Neal has to score at least 21 goals, which he's always done except for the Flames. Mm-hmm. And number two, Lucic has to score at least 10 goals less than Neal. So the, the conditional third-round pick <laughs> is basically... A safeguard, almost like Tree Living knew he's getting screwed and he has this as a safeguard. But (laughs) this isn't like, like even Kevin Lowe of all people, when he traded Pronger to Anaheim and they're working out the deal and they're getting all this stuff back for Pronger, including a first round pick and some other stuff. he, He said to Burke, he goes, hey, you know, the problem with this deal, you know, I'm giving you a ticket to the finals, right? And Burke said, "Okay, well, if we make the finals, I'll throw in another first rounder. And they did make the finals, and the Oilers did get another first rounder. So that's great. That's worth it. But a third round pick, because you know you're getting screwed, and you're kind of throwing a Hail Mary out there, 
I, I just think that was great. And someone said this, I think it was Down Goes Brown said this on Twitter, and I thought it was great too. I'd love to see more deals like this where you're trading a guy for a guy and like the conditional pick is based on, oh yeah, well, our guy gets this many goals and your guy is that much shittier than him. I just think that's brilliant. Holland instantly endeared himself to Oilers fans. People were thinking he was too inactive. Maybe he's too old school. How is he going to get a new top six forward? How is he going to get rid of our biggest liability, Lucic's contract? He did them both at the same time, which is unbelievable. Oilers fans would have been thrilled if you could have given away Lucic's contract in exchange for a seventh round pick. And instead they get a guy that I think is going to come in seamlessly, great for shot generation, great for finishing. He'll be perfect with any of them. I'd love to see him in the top. Well, he'll be in the top six for sure, as confirmed by Holland. I'd like to see him in the top three. I'd like to see him on the top line with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Holland does want McDavid and Dreisaitl deployed together, and I hope Tippett agrees. And really, this is just a great day in Edmonton. And I don't know, as our buddy said, what the fuck Tree Living was thinking. I, I don't quite understand that, um, but um, I guess they're thinking that Lucic is going to come in here and play. They think he's going to make the team bigger and tougher, but like I told Ryan today, why would you care about making your bench bigger and tougher? Yeah, exactly. I don't know how many people he's going to punch from the bench, but it's probably know. not going to be too many. I don't know. Um, I, I am... How do you go into this, you know, you you had, you know, and this was tough for us last year, but they had a very good regular season last year, but they're not a deep, they're not built for a deep, deep playoff run. They're too small. They're too, they're, they're too many things, the local, the local losers. And, you know, they wasted a 51 or 51 or 52 win regular season last year and get dumped in the first round of playoffs by the Colorado Avalanche. And it wasn't even close. No. It wasn't even close. And, you know, you only really have. And, you know, I I take great exception to this. When I read about the trade this morning real briefly, they had made mention about the Flames being a team, one of the few teams that has a slight window of Stanley Cup opportunity right now. This team does not have, no. in my opinion, no. a, a small window of opportunity for the Stanley Cup championship for the simple fact, who is their number one goaltender going into next season? Is it Riddick? I don't know. We don't know. Is it the guy that they brought in, uh, Cam Talbot? We don't know. Um, they probably is, don't is, know. Is it, it Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Then they've got this guy that I keep hearing about year after year after year, Gillies or something in their minor league system that's supposed to be some hot shot young stud goaltender but where the hell has he been all this time the flames are not in the current way that they're constructed the current uh, what am i trying to spit out here what i'm trying to say here is that this team is about as far away of winning a stanley cup championship as a real legitimate Stanley Cup championship contending caliber team is, which right now would probably be, oh, I don't know. Let's put somebody in there. Edmonton's not quite there yet, but let's, um, I'm going to put Vegas in there. Sure. I think Vegas has, has legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations as long as, obviously, and I'm biased, 
But as long as Fleury can still keep doing what he's doing between the pipes and the additions that they've made in a full year of Mark Stone, I think Vegas has a legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations. Do the Calgary Flames? No. No. Not when your number one guy, your your highest paid player on your roster, scores one point for you in five games in last year's Stanley Cup playoffs. It's almost like we predicted that this little run would be shitty in the playoffs. I know we did. I feel like we did. And I know we did. And you know what? We got a great we had a we had a great laugh. The last game of the year when Dreisaitl got his 50th for Edmonton and they they stopped Goudreau from getting over the 100-point mark. And you know what? The last five, well, the last six games, the, the last regular season game against Edmonton and then five games in the playoffs against the Colorado Avalanche and Goudreau scored one point. And he's your number one guy? No, you are not a Stanley Cup contending team. Now, while we're on the f- subject of the floodplain flames, other news broke on Friday out of Calgary. And you know, Chris had reported this months ago here on Unscripted about where our uh, wonderful Delta House mayor had put one point, I think it was $1.25 billion in escrow or something. They had put it off to the side for that rainy day. Well, that rainy day has supposedly come. They're supposed to be talking about a new building in Calgary uh, with, within city council behind closed doors on Monday. Proposals that we've been hearing so far, Chris has got more information on it than I do, but what I've heard so far, it's they're looking at 18,000 capacity. They're looking at the building costing between five and $600 million. They're also going to be including a retail area in adjacent to the building. So, you know, kind of make it a... They're, what they're trying to do, guys, is copy what Edmonton has done up in the Ice District up in Edmonton with their new building. And supposedly that is supposed to happen on Monday here in Calgary. Again, City Council, there's uh, 12 members of City Council plus the mayor, of course, Mr. Delta House. And... um they will be discussing it behind closed doors on Monday about this new arena deal in Calgary. Supposedly, it's about to happen. And um, do you have some more information for us on this beautiful brand new building, which we know will be built in another floodplain? Yes, um, yes. I'm going to hand over the and let Chris tell you about more about this building. Yeah, so they're trying to copy everything that the Oilers did in Edmonton. Instead of having the Ice District, they're going to have something, or at least the plan is to have something called the Rivers District, because it's not enough to just make the arena. They want to make all shops and everything to go with it in the same way that Edmonton revitalized their downtown. I don't think that's going to work the same way here, but I mean, they're going to try something, I suppose. So they're going to put it at the convergence, I guess, of the Bow and Elbow Rivers, just to ensure that they can still be the floodplain flames. <laughs> and... You know, but I mean, they have to do the district thing because they have to show that it's of net benefit mm-hmm. to the city of Calgary. Otherwise, it just looks like a bunch of rich guys who are too cheap to pay for their own stuff. And so, <laughs> so well, which is the truth of the well, matter. Well, it is the truth. Look, here's what I love about this: either we don't get the new arena and everyone involved looks stupid, mm-hmm. or 
they build the new arena and I just know how, how many stupid mistakes they're going to make all the way through. And we're going to have a blast talking about them for years on end. So it's great either way, really. Yeah, it is. But I, what I love, because, you know, you and I have had uh, lots of experience dealing with all the morons in this city who think they're big huh. shot businessmen. And that they're just a right. bunch of stupid hacks mm-hmm. and are extremely overrated and are made to look good by oil when oil is high and things are flying high and it's 2005 and you list your house and 10 seconds later three offers that are each 50 grand over your asking price but it's not 2005 anymore so now these morons get exposed and for some reason these people that run calgary both municipally and in the business community it's the only time that i ever think of the word nincompoop but i always think of that when i hear that when i hear any of these people anyway let's contrast the difference between edmonton and calgary if you saw the masterclass that Daryl Cates put on, it was beautiful all the way through. The way, do you remember him getting together, his group, his guys, and going to Seattle years ago and like taking a tour? Like, it's just saber rattling, but just, hey, look, I might move the team to, to Seattle. And then, and you know, of course, then the Edmonton Council freaks out and they just got owned at every turn, as they should by a billionaire businessman. And he did such a good job there. And even with the proposals that aren't even finalized in Calgary here, by comparison, Daryl Cates paid far less and got far more. He is the owner of Rogers Place, and he put in far less than these guys uh, are going to have to put in in Calgary, which is funny because these guys are just way cheaper. They're just not nearly the businessmen that Daryl Cates is. And it just looks like a whole big disaster and a mess. There doesn't look to be anything special about the arena. It's not going to be that many seats, 18,000, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's it, down almost 2,000 seats from what where they're playing now. Yeah, and so then they're going to have to, of course, figure out all the architecture and everything like that. And you know, in Calgary, everything goes over budget all the time unless Mike Jansen is in charge of it, right? And so, that's true. Right? And so, I mean... It's gonna. They're gonna do something where they get a value, perhaps of five or six hundred million at best. But you know, there's gonna be cost overruns. They're gonna end up paying more than Edmonton, I bet, for less quality. And in the end, the guys aren't even own anything. Nenchi's just gonna, you know, think he's the owner of the arena, and it's gonna be a big farce. But it's gonna be great either way. No matter what happens, I know we're gonna get lots of opportunities to laugh at Calgary's. And I use this term loosely. Brain trust. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't know. This should be this should be a time to celebrate uh, around here. Um because of the, you know, the economies in the toilet around here and the oil and gas business is is obviously taking a, you know, and as it and isn't getting any help from the uh the government uh and, you know, the provincial government, excuse me, the uh, national government has forgotten about Canadians east or excuse me west of of uh ontario and uh so it's this should be a time to celebrate but you know what it's not it's not it's it's time to make jokes and laugh because i just think that this was kind of thrown haphazardly together uh as an arena deal i think that they would have been much better going through the original plan and that original plan included an arena and a field house and all this other stuff that really looked like it was really well thought, uh, thought about and planned out and, and had some really nice amenities to it. Yeah. This looks like it's somebody's last second gasp to keep the team in town. And, um, I, I just really don't think anybody wins here, but 
you know what? The thing about it is, you and I just became, um, you and I just became taxpayers in the new Flames uh, hockey building here in Calgary. Well, keep in mind too that this is not a done deal by any means. Oh, I know it's. And there's tons of details and tons of paperwork left. They're just going to be presenting their most updated report on Monday as well as happening. And, And even if there's no real setbacks, and even if what they've got going now comes to fruition, even then... The earliest we are looking at shovels in the ground is two years from now in 2021. Oh, my God. Right? And so that this is what some people are saying. It's not like there's going to be a new arena in two months for the new season. Like, let's get serious right. here. You might get shovels in the ground in 2021. Maybe. At the earliest. So then what? And then how long does that take? Right? So then that means that this coming season, which ends in 2020, is done. The season that ends in 2021, no chance. The season, so I mean, you're looking at what minimum three or four more seasons yeah. in the Saddle Dome, yeah. which again, it's just a farce. And then if this doesn't go through, where are we? Because yeah, like you said, there was a decent proposal years ago in a different part, but but still right next to the river to make sure there's still right. a floodplain flame. Right. Since and there know, would have been problems there getting your and getting your approvals to build because and it just of doesn't that, look big enough. That well, place. that creo that that creodine that yeah that. that that white stuff that's in the, the soil. The soil. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to extract that. I mean, there's just a lot of things to do here, and I don't understand why they are so hell bent on putting it down by the river. I just don't quite understand that. We live on I, the prairies. It's not like you have. It's not like it's hard to get away from the water. Yeah, I, I just, I, I just think it would be a lot easier of a build if they'd pick a different location. Not only for the the actual the construction of the building, but then ultimately going out and getting your approvals and getting the permits that you need to get started and all this other stuff. And you're not dealing with, you know, different land issues. You're not dealing with different soil issues. And oh, my God. So I don't quite understand why is the paramount that these guys build down by the river. But it should be interesting to see. And um, wow. And I, I hope that somebody's smart enough to have a plan B in, re- in regard. Well, but if it doesn't happen, right? If it doesn't happen, and like you said, and you're exactly right, this is not a done deal. This is stage one of a long process to get to the finish line. And with the timelines that Chris just gave you, we may not see a new arena, even if this one, even if this was, even if this was approved on Monday. It won't be. City Council, I can tell you, having addressed Nenshi's Council many times on land development projects, things don't get settled in one day with Nenshi's Council. They are the biggest collection of limp dicks that you'd ever... Just trust me on this one, okay? I've addressed Council. Well, we'll have to take it under advisement. I'll have to take it to my people. I'll have to take it to my constituents and let them see what they're going to do. You know, and let and let them think what they feel about it. Well, you give too many morons an opportunity at, at in making their opinion, and all of a sudden it's going to be 2025 before we get a, a new arena in Calgary. And I would imagine, knowing what I know about the current status of the city council here in the... Uh, <laughs> in the average city of Calgary that uh, uh, 
they will deliberate and deliberate and deliberate. And then they'll go into another session of deliberating and deliberating and deliberating. Because when you've got ladies like the bird lady in there, Ward 4, Ward 4 Alderman, can't remember her name, but we call her the bird lady. Um, she's for every environmental, she'll vote for anything involving making sure that it's environmentally sound. What the hell's her name? Uh, I I just know her as the bird lady. I don't know. I don't know. You the, know who I'm talking oh, about. Though. Well, there's a woman named Drew Farrell. That's on. her. Is that her? That's okay. Drew Farrell. That's the bird lady. She votes for everything opposite of what everybody. She just seems to get a kick out of this. I don't know what it is, but there will be deliberation. This is, you know what? This is, I guess, if you're one of the remaining eight Flames fans, this is good news. There's potentially a building on the horizon. But like Chris just said, don't expect it to be ready come the first week of October. It's not going to be ready. And I'm thinking with what promises to be a very long deliberating uh, as they sit here and they one says yes and one says no and one doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on, it's going to go on and on and on. And all of a sudden, it'll be 2023, 2024, 2025 before we see a building in Calgary. Well, really, the entire city council is, speaking of voters, really not endearing themselves to any particular constituency here, because typically you've got the more right-wing fiscally people right. who, you know, often they're usually more pro-business and then they, they want lower taxes and stuff, but they they appreciate sports, if nothing else. And so they, they don't mind some money being used for that sometimes. They like other stuff. Slash. Then you have the left wing hippies who don't have never done anything athletic in their lives and don't really care about sports. And then all the people here who are maybe from somewhere else don't care about hockey specifically. Right. Which That's what I'm concerned about. Well, I mean, based on the on Nenshi getting back in in the last election, I mean, that just means there's not a lot of people because really that was a referendum largely on the arena and the flames. That's and right. for that re- for that to have happened, I, and I know his numbers get inflated because there's just a bunch of young people who have never paid taxes in their lives. And so they just think he's this left wing, you know, some sort of brown Obama or something like that. <laughs> but well, I think that's what they think. They just have no clue what they're doing. But uh, they just they he gets that he gets that like young person, the young clueless utopian vote. But now they're right now they're debating sixty million dollars in cuts on city oh my. for other things, not nothing to do with this stuff. Like sixty million in cuts just. Trimming the fat, which is something that should be done at most city councils in the world, honestly, because there's way too much, I think, bloating at the municipal level generally. So that's great. The people that think that they have really dragged their feet and done a terrible job of the arena might like the cuts. But then the people that are you know, not a fan of the arena, you know, they might they might not like this many cuts. So it's just I don't think that they're appealing to any one person Right now, I think that every almost every type of person is going to have some problem with this city council at the moment, no matter what they do. No question. And so you might end up with because uh, really they've conditioned the public to be, I think, more left wing. And so then to do hard right wing cuts and then go for, you know, get into bed with business sort of and then give a bunch of public money to the new arena. I mean, it's just they're not they have no clear path and they're just kind of floundering. And this is their death throes, I think. So the one good thing is, I think we'll see a lot of this city council, at least a lot of the aldermen maybe chased out of this uh, place by the next election. But that's still a ways away. 
So who knows, but I think there'll be lots to talk about for us and lots of good laughs. This is, um, this is momentous news. Um, this is something that I don't know if a lot of people saw coming. Um, I certainly did not. Chris took shocked the you know what out of me when he sent me a text yesterday talking about the new building. You know, I knew I had knew, excuse me, I had known obviously about the slush fund that our Delta House mayor put aside for an arena because his grandiose plan during trying to secure the 2026 Olympics didn't happen, the Winter Games, because it didn't go the way he wanted it to. So he took his ball and went home, um, which is to his mother's basement. Um, it, It is going to be interesting to see. You don't want another situation here which has disintegrated in Ottawa in regard to there are seven, well, six and a half stable franchises in in Canada. I am not including Melnick's team. I I just don't know what the hell they're doing out there. But you want to have seven good, solid franchises in Canada because that you know, even even when Ottawa sucks, folks, Ottawa still draws well out there. And... That's because they've got a lot of very good and and passionate hockey fans that maybe they're there to see the other team. I don't know what it is. But in Canada, you do not want to have an Arizona situation or a Miami, Florida situation. This is where this is where this is where Canada, excuse me, this is where hockey thrives in this great country. And it's, it's obviously much more of a benefit to all of us that live in this great country to have seven stable franchises. Um, if Calgary could secure a building, that would probably put them back up into the, into the stable franchises. But there's a long way ahead here, folks. And um, Vancouver's got a new building, uh, beautiful new building in, in uh, Manitoba. Uh, you know... All things considered, the Air Canada Center or what the Scotia Bank place in Toronto, whatever the hell they call it now, pretty much a brand new building. Um, so you know, we need one here. There's no question about it. How many hoops we're going to have to go through to get a building? That's where it's going to get interesting because I can tell you, and again, from my experience of addressing council here in this city, it's like running your head up against a. a a wall sometimes it's like talking to a it's like talking to a ghost they don't seem to listen to you they have their own agenda they let you talk but they're not listening so this will be a very interesting next couple of days weeks and months moving forward through this uh, stadium proposal and uh, i'm very interested to see how it turns out because i think if they don't get their new building then i think they've got to look toward houston i think they got to look somewhere else um, this is, I think this is their last kick at the can and, um, the money is there. Men- Nenshi saved that. He put that away, put that in escrow. And, um, so let's see. I mean, I'm not a flames fan. Chris is not a flames fan, but you know, we understand if you've listened to any previous episodes of unscripted with Mike and Chris, you know, that Chris and I at least are very aware of the financial ramifications in regard to a Flames home game. That means jobs. It means, you know, it means a lot to the economy when, you know, um, 
things are are going better than normal down there on Olympic Way. So this will be very interesting. I'm very interested to see. I guess I'll be tuning into C-SPAN every now and then now again and, and see what they have to say. But um, this is a momentous thing, and um, I hope, let me just say this, to all the Drew Farrells, to all the um, Richard Poopmans, Ward 6 aldermen, um, to all the different, the 12 aldermen in this city, aldermen and women in this city, please take this seriously. This has a long-range ramification involved with it. Um, there are only one of seven of these organizations in, the, in uh, Canada. Let's make sure that you give it the proper respect, give it the proper time that it needs, and hopefully among the group of 12 and 13, if you include King Dipshit, um, I think that um, this will be a, a council-defining decision in regard to the Flames because really this is the Flames' last kick of the can. The Flames have been here since about 1980, I think, something like that since they uh, were originated here. And I think that um, this is about as an important uh, a referendum going to be shoved down your throats over the next days, weeks, and months. And uh, hopefully you give it the proper respect that it deserves. Um, a lot of things to talk about. You know, it's funny, Chris and I, you hear us talk a lot about, you know, this is the slow time of the year as we're 50, excuse me, now 48 days away from the open of the National Football League season, Thursday night football between Bears and Packers. And we're in that gray area now. You know, we've, we're have we now past the NBA and the National Hockey League, and now we're waiting for the NHL, or excuse me, the National Football League to start again. But we still have some things to talk about, a little golf tournament going on, um, some really good news for what I think is a really good guy in the National Hockey League finally got... And I'm kind of surprised, and I'm going to ask Chris this in uh, episode 368 about the new general manager of the Seattle team in the National Hockey League. But we've got some things to talk about, and we'll get to all of those when we come back. But uh, we've got to we've got to uh, put an end to this 367th episode, the All Alberta. I think this is the first time in 367 now produced episodes. This is the first time that we've talked nonstop in regard to the province of Alberta. I think so. Um, I'm surprised that uh, Tree Limbing made the trade. I really am. I'm, I'm, I think that there was somewhere else that he could send James Neal. James Neal is going to go back, and he's going to burn the asses of the Calgary Flames next year as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. It just, it's bound to happen. Well, speaking of burning asses, I'm hoping that <laughs> the Calgary Flames go south and become the Kansas City flame-broiled ribs and with an extra spicy sauce, and they can know how mystery living feels. I think if they don't get an arena deal, they're going to Houston. Kansas City is a possibility. Kansas City is a possibility. Seattle's still a possibility, is it not? I think they've pretty much got it set to, for an expansion. Okay. And then, yeah, so, yeah. Plus, that'll make it 32, and as we know, 32 is the perfect 32 number. 32 is the number. I don't want it to go any higher than 32, but 
We've got a bunch of things to talk about it, and we'll get right at it after we take this quick time out here and uh, wrap up this 367th episode of Unscripted. As always, I'd like to thank you for taking time to spend some time with us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.